Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Take Three podcast. My name is Brandon, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. And in this edition of uh, the podcast, we're going to talk about the AFC West, and specifically, we're going to do our uh, 2021 AFC West division breakdown. Um, it's a pretty pretty interesting division. I mean, there's interesting, even though it's predominantly controlled by the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and those guys, but I think Justin Herbert and uh, Brandon Staley and uh, Derwin James and that defense can stay healthy and give them some reps. And then you got Denver, their defense is elite. If their weapons can stay healthy and they get something out of the quarterback position, they're interesting. And then, I mean, John Gruden and just any team in Las Vegas, when you get Vegas involved with uh, really any sport, even as you see with the hockey team, not to go too off tangent, but they were exciting, right? So Vegas is just interesting, regardless if they're bad, good, everything in between. So, I mean, before we really jump into this thing, um, any initial thoughts to kind of unpack everything and roll us into this episode? The AFC West is super interesting because there's a chance we end the season and they're clearly the best division in football. It's just kind of up to like certain things. There's a lot of units in the AFC West that are pretty damn good. It's just to see if teams can put it all together. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh... – it was a lot of talent. I mean, when you watched it, the Chiefs explosive offense. And then you had, I mean, the Raiders offense is pretty, it's pretty good last year that I think they were like third in points, uh, points per game. Obviously on the other side of the ball, they let up. I think they were third worst in points per game. So that's what your result is. But I mean, yeah, Justin Herbert, we saw what he did as a rookie in their offense. And then, uh, the Broncos are kind of just, they're there if they can get something out of the quarterback position and get something. Obviously, they need Cortland Sutton to stay healthy, Jerry, Judy, Noah Font. They have Melvin Gordon. I mean, they have a lot of guys. It's all just kind of, can they get something out of the quarterback? And more importantly, can the weapons stay on the field so the quarterback has a has a guys to throw to? Because we've seen their defense. I mean, we already saw through one preseason game. Uh, Patrick Sertan, that guy showed out at a pick six. So, I mean – their defense is going to show up, and it's always pretty difficult. Mile High is a pretty tough uh, tough stadium to play in. But, I mean, um, let's jump straight into the first team that we're going to cover on uh, this episode. It's going to be the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, last year they went 8-8. Eight and eight. It's kind of – this is, I believe, year four of John Gruden. I believe we're going into – or that was year three last year. Sorry, so year three of Gruden. I mean, I don't believe they've made the playoffs yet. Signed that 10-year, $100 million deal, and everybody swore, like, uh, yeah, Gruden's back. This is the guy. This is the guy. Um, We really haven't seen it. When you look at what they added this offseason, they kind of went – they needed defense. Their defense is terrible. They went out. They I believe they got Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator. Uh, they added Yannick Ngakwe. I believe he played with the Ravens last year. Solomon Thomas, who was a top pick with the 49ers. So they're good. they got him for maybe a potential snag. They got John Brown. Uh, one of their bigger signings was Kenyon Drake. It was a weird one since they have Josh Jacobs. So I guess they're going to feature more of a, a two-back. And then they kind of really revamped the offensive line. They got Nick Martin. I believe he was with the uh, Texans. He's a center. Carl Joseph, and then obviously in the draft, first round, they went Alex Leatherwood out, out of Alabama. Uh, they went with safety Trayvon Morig, and then they got Casey Hayward at corner. And then really their big losses, the biggest ones I see in my eyes was they lost three key linemen, right? When you look at your O-line, you want to have chemistry and you want to keep the same unit together on a year-to-year basis if you can. And uh, they shipped out a bunch of guys. They shipped out Rodney Hudson to Arizona. They shipped out Gabe Jackson to Seattle, and they shipped Trent Brown. Back to New England. So, I mean, that was a mouthful. But before I really cover any of uh, the questions, what do you see uh, with the Raiders going into this season? Yeah, John Gruden's fourth year uh, out of his 10-year contract, ridiculous contract. But I, if I'm the Raiders, like, ownership and I'm that team, like, I need to see him make the playoffs or, like, improve past 
500, right? This is year four. You're supposed to be getting better. There was a lot of shifting on the offensive line. The defense has not been a strong unit. The offense has been a strong unit. So it's like, can they play 60 minutes of football for a full year in the sense of can their defense and special teams actually support their offense this year? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look at the fundamentals of it, Gruden's first year, they went four and 12, second year, seven and nine and eight and eight. So I guess he goes to the front office and says, look, guys, I'm turning this ship around. And this is going to be the year that we get over 500. I believe they were in the playoff picture last year and then just kind of whiffed it, uh, whiffed it bad. I believe uh, it was John Abrams. I want to say that's his name. Abrams, the safety made a boneheaded play and, uh, I forget the game, but I remember watching it vividly. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna unpack it. I mean, you pretty much hit it uh, spot on. Yeah, they gotta they gotta get complete football games out of both sides of the football. And um, one of the big positions, it seems like, since they brought back Marcus Mariota and John Gruden has said there's gonna be packages for Mariota and Mariota is gonna see the field. Uh, it's kind of a big year for Derek Carr. So the first thing I'm gonna get into is, I mean, can, what are we what are we expecting? Can Derek Carr really? Uh, can he do something in year four? It's now year four of John Gruden's system. So he's been in the offense. Obviously, a lot of pieces shuffle. A lot of guys come in, guys leave. But, I mean, it's kind of really the last uh, run of the mill, I would say, for him in uh, Las Vegas. That'll be probably the first move. I mean, if they have another down year. I don't really think Gruden's seat's that hot right now that where if they had a down year, he would be gone. But I think Derek Carr would be shipped out probably quick. I don't know how much longer his contract is. They might have a year or two left. But they would find a way to get off of him because uh, Gruden doesn't really seem enamored with Derek Carr. He hasn't really been a Derek Carr guy from the beginning, I don't think. But, I mean, can Derek Carr, through all this, can he turn it around and really give uh, give uh, Las Vegas something to look forward for in uh, 2021? Derek Carr, since he's been with John Gruden, has not even been a bad quarterback. He's quarterbacked pretty well for the most part, honestly. The teams never turn out to be winning teams. At best, they are around 500 to actually 500. Once again, the defense is a unit that tends to let them down once they score a good amount of points. But if you watch the Raiders, there's certain games where Derek Carr goes out there and he looks fantastic. The offensive line's playing well. They're airing it out. I remember long touchdowns to Tyrell Williams before he was hurt. So there's like times when that Raiders offense is like really humming with Derek Carr. And then there's times where they can't seem to like get the ball down the field the whole game. And I don't know if that's lack of preparation on Derek Carr's part, lack of getting the team ready on John Gruden's part or the Raiders just coming in, not ready to play that day. I really don't know. It's probably a combination of things. Right. But like Derek Carr has been good, not great. I don't really expect much to change this year. Uh, the record I don't think is super impactful on him. Like he is a quarterback. He will make a big difference on if they win or lose football games. Don't get me wrong, but like, I don't think he's like the big reason they've been 500 year after year I think it's just mainly that defense so to me it's like let's see if the offensive line with all the interchanging pieces gets continuity how well they play for him and then like if Derek Carr can stay poised because I know Gruden has talked about wanting to move the ball down the field and there's times where Derek Carr looks okay in the pocket steps up and delivers a beautiful ball and then there's times where he looks like just flustered and he doesn't know what to do so it's like the inconsistency is an issue, and I just don't like – let's say the Raiders have a losing season or they don't do well again. I just don't know where you go. Like, if they have a terrible season, then you get a good draft pick and you can draft somebody, right? But if they have a kind of 500 season, you're kind of in purgatory, right? You're, like, stuck in the middle. 
you can certainly move off Derek Carr. I just don't know if there's a better choice out there moving off Derek Carr. But it might be one of those things where if you move off Derek Carr and you're bad for a year, then you can get someone really good and it's worth it, right? I just don't know if that's a game they're willing to play. So I think they're kind of in a tough position because, like, if taking out the idea of drafting somebody high, well, uh, high first round draft pick, I don't really know where they go to improve quarterback play because, like, Derek Carr is very middle of the road. Yeah, he's a. Uh... He's a middle of the guy. He's, uh, I mean, I kind of like his toughness. He got banged up. I believe it was last year he got banged up quite a bit, and he just he always seems to want to keep uh, just keep coming out, right? He just keeps – he shows up, and as you said, I mean, he had 27 touchdowns, nine picks. Uh, he put together a pretty good year. I mean, the offense, as you said, the offense wasn't really – it wasn't their problem, right? They scored points. They just they, – they let up points on the other side of the ball, which we'll touch on for a little bit. Yeah, I just don't know. I don't think – I mean, re- reverting to the uh, to the question itself, I don't – I don't really think he's going to get any better, right? They stripped the offensive line down. They kind of – they didn't really have that great of an offseason either. Like, they only add in – they still have Henry Ruggs. And then I believe they're tossing out John Brown and they're going to go heavy Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake. And it's like, you strip the line down. You're now affecting your ability to run the ball with, uh, with Josh Jacobs to pound the ground and pound and really take pressure off of him. And then, um, I mean, you look at Kenyon Drake, I guess he's going to be more of a swing guy or they're going to try and pound both of them, but I just don't see, I mean, they still have Darren Waller. I kind of forget about him that they can just target. He got targeted a ton last year. He was a machine, but I just don't see with all the O-line issues in the way. I mean, Gruden's good at scheming, right? Everybody, Gruden's a pretty good schemer on the offensive side of the ball. But I just don't see all the moves that they made along the offensive line that it's going to make him any more comfortable back there with a new group going into this year that wasn't there last year or the previous years. Yeah, the offensive line continuity, I think, is a huge thing, right? So, like, you're talking about how they want to pound the ball with Josh Jacobs. If they're getting two yards of carry, that offense is going to be stuck in the mud for sure. Yeah, they're going to – yeah, they have no shot. Like, you can't – if you run the ball, right, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, it sets up everything. It frees up, and you got to have the defense come up, and you free up a guy like Henry Ruggs to create plays. So I just don't know if they're going to have the ability to really – create plays and really get uh, I mean it's really going to be we'll see how good of an offensive guy John Gruden is to be honest when you go into this year he's really kind of I guess gambling on himself and his scheme by saying we don't need these guys he's really kind of done that since he arrived right he's made some questionable draft picks when him and I'm like Mayock first got there some of the things they've done I mean they've really they focus defense heavy in free agency which is kind of what they had to do but I just don't see – I mean, I think 2021 is going to be a – it's going to be a tough year. It's going to be a long year on the offensive side of the ball. I think Derek Carr is going to get beat up a lot. And, uh, I, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily his fault. I just – he's kind of set up to fail, I would say. Yeah, and it just worries me. Once again, the offensive line continuity not being there worries me. Because you go back to last year, uh, looking at their previous, they beat the Chiefs 40-32, to 32, and they beat the Browns two weeks later, and then – you fast forward and they lose 43 to six to the Atlanta Falcons. Like, I don't know how like games like that happen if you're the Raiders, right? You're supposed to be, you sign this Super Bowl winning coach is supposed to be a flip of the organization. So you should be like consistency, I think is a huge part, right? So like, yeah, injuries and X factors happen, right? And all kinds of crazy stuff happens in national football league, but you can't beat the chiefs and the Browns and then come out and lose 43 to six against the Falcons. Like games like that for Derek Carr can't happen. Like that's a big deal to me. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, that's just kind of, yeah, that's kind of the team they are. They're real, uh, they're a real hit or miss as an entire, an entire bunch. And I guess they're kind of, I don't have the stats from that game and how Derek Carr did, but I would assume, I mean, their defense is probably just completely atrocious. I mean, he didn't help really put up six points. It doesn't, uh, doesn't really, doesn't really stop the bleeding, but, um, yeah, it's a it's he a big year. He was twenty two at thirty four. I was saying he was twenty two at thirty four, two hundred yards and an interception. Yes, that's like mediocre. Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, but yeah, right. If this team's gonna get over the hump, you can't have games like that. You gotta you gotta find a way to not to uh, to not do that and really kind of keep the ball moving and. I mean, John Gruden saying that he's willing to get Marcus Mariota involved in more packages. Got to put a little uh, a little heat on Derek Carr, but I mean, we'll see what he can do. I kind of I don't think he'll really show out or do any better. I think we'll have a step back here, and then we'll see where uh, the Raiders kind of go from the QB spot going into twenty twenty two. Um, yeah, and, that- and just playing in the AFC West gives them like less wiggle room for error as well. Yeah, exactly. You don't really you don't really have much margin for error when you're playing against those uh, those type of teams. But I mean, now to to switch focus onto the other side of the ball, which was kind of the really, really, really big issue last year with third worst in uh, points per game allowed on the defensive side of the ball. Um, can Gus Bradley really can he get more out of that defense? Can he fix that defense? He was I believe he was the defensive coordinator in Jacksonville when they had that. Uh, Oh, pretty much championship level defense, right? They kind of, some could say they got screwed in New England when he had Jalen Ramsey in that group. But I mean, they went kind of heavy focused on defense and free agency at an Ngakwe, Solomon Thomas, Carl Joseph, and then drafting Trayvon Morig and then getting Casey Hayward. So you can see that they really wanted to bolster that side of the ball. But I mean, can Gus Bradley, can he come in and uh, turn it around? I wouldn't be confident enough to say like a full turnaround, you know, or they're all of a sudden like a top unit in the league, but to like answer the question specifically, like I would assume he turns it around enough to where they're an improved unit. It's just like when we were talking about the Minnesota Vikings, like I would assume it's an improved unit just because of like how poorly it played last year. So like, to me, the question becomes, does it improve enough to where they go above 500 and potentially are a wild card team? I would lean that it doesn't, but I would I would think that he gets it slightly improved. I really like the Nagaku Thomas signings, Casey Hayward. So, like, they have better pieces. So, like, I would expect them to be better, but, like, the bar is pretty low. Yeah, for sure. And I, uh, I just want to apologize. I got my coaches uh, wrong. Gus Bradley was the defensive coordinator for uh, Seattle's good defenses. Dan Quinn was uh, – he was the Jacksonville D coordinator. So I got the switch to Gus Bradley. I mean, he led a good group, right? He led the Seahawks groups. But, I mean, you come into this group and it's like they're pretty much bottom of the barrel. But, I mean, yeah, as we covered, I think, in previous episodes, right, when a defense is that bad um, – it's just kind of somebody's going to come in and they're going to do they're they're going to do something right they're going to uh, they're going to have to find a way to turn it around I think they will I don't know how much better they'll get right I can't sit here and say yeah they're going to jump uh, like they're going to do this they're going to turn into an elite defense overnight they definitely had a good pieces and Gakwe can get to the quarterback if uh, Solomon Thomas can live up to I believe he was the fourth overall pick third overall pick when he was drafted by uh, San Francisco so it's like if he can do what he was drafted to do and then you get a rookie like Trayvon Morig slide him in there and then you get Carl Joseph who obviously has been in the league for a a while and then you snag a veteran corner in Casey Hayward so they've added veterans onto this defense um I don't know if you'll get what 
the previous defenses that uh, Gus Bradley was able to uh, lead. But um, yeah, I think they'll be a little bit better. I think they just, they have to, they really spent their time focusing that much on that side of the ball for it not to get better. I would say um, they'll, they'll probably take a step forward. I just don't know. I'm not willing to sit there and commit to how much further they'll get better because I don't know. Cause then you're flip flopping it right the defense gets better. They strip pieces away from the offense for it to be able to add to the defense. So when you strip those pieces away, say the offense isn't good, then you're putting more pressure on the defense. And then it's a, uh, then it's going to be a team failure, right? Then you're putting the defense out there too much. That's exactly what I was thinking, right? So, like, if you improve the defensive unit, but, like, the offensive line all of a sudden has, all of a sudden has issues, you're kind of, like, just kind of spitting the tires, right? You're still stuck. Yeah. I'm not a fan of teams that do that. I'm not a fan of teams that cut the <laughs> cut their whole low line or trade the whole low line for fifth and sixth and seventh round picks to uh, bolster their defense with guys that are – they've been good at times, but they haven't really – uh, they're on the free agent market for a reason, right? Like the Yannick and Kakwas of the world are kind of on there. And Solomon Thomas, obviously, he didn't turn out. So he's those guys are free agents for a uh, for a reason in a sense. I mean, they're good serviceable players, but you're asking them to, uh, to at least in Gakwe, turn back the clock to his uh, Jacksonville days. And then you're asking – you're just asking a lot out of quite a few guys that we really haven't seen uh, get to that level. But they also have pieces still there, so, I mean – We'll sit back and see what they can do. I mean, it's a big year for uh, Gus Bradley to kind of get his name back uh, back out there. And then, um, I mean, just to jump in, finally, um, if the Raiders – say the Raiders do fail to make the postseason again, um, is John Gruden's seat? Do you think the seat gets a little bit hot? I think he's kind of still safe right now. Like, he's pretty – he's chilling right now. He's not sweating. But, I mean, if you fail to make it again, that's four straight years and you're supposed to be this guy – that uh, you're supposed to be the guy that turns it around. You're the Super Bowl winning coach. You're the 10-year, $100 billion guy. You leave ESPN. You're Gruden's QB camp. Uh, will the seat – you think it's hot going into year five if they fail to make the postseason this year? I don't think it will be, honestly. I think it should be. I don't think it will be. Uh, that 10-year contract, $100 million, like, ensues a lot of confidence in the man to give to give somebody a 10-year contract as head coach is a big big commitment also they were trying to like there's many teams constantly trying to get John Gruden out of the booth and to go coach again and it was his his Raiders that managed to do it so no I don't think the seat will be warm they might be like the media might start talking about it but I don't think the ownership wants to actually move off Gruden at all I think they're happy with him being there. Also, with the shift to Las Vegas and probably the ticket sales being fantastic, and they're probably going to make a ton of money. I think they're, like, happy where they are. I also, if they're being realistic with themselves, they need to understand they're playing in a Justin Herbert Mahomes division that it's going to be incredibly tough to win. Yeah, but, I mean, if you take that mentality, then they should forfeit every game for the next 10 years, right? Like, if you're just going to – if you're going to be – if you're they gonna, almost have before Gruden. <laughs> if you're going to coach afraid of Patrick Mahomes for the next decade, then you've already lost before you took the, took the field. I mean, I think the seat will start to warm because you're in now this year. It's going to be the fifth year, right? You're halfway. You're going to be entering halfway through this contract and you haven't even made the playoffs uh, at all. And I think in a city like Las Vegas, the ticket sales are going to be ticket sales regardless, right? Like you have enough tourists, you have enough people that are in that area where you'll fill seats at Allegiant Stadium. Um, if, if, even if John Gruden wasn't there now, I don't think they're going to like be quick, like bang, like randomly. Yeah. He's going to get fired. I just think, um, it's going to start to, they're going to have to start to 
push the buttons because he kind of really hasn't drafted well. He's kind of reached on picks and he just hasn't really, he hasn't really put it all together, right? It's not really when he was advertised coming in, he's going to fix the Raiders. He's going to get the Raiders back to, uh, back to where they want them to be. They leave. Uh, I think there's now more, you add more pressure when you go to Vegas because now you're kind of in that spotlight, right? You're out of Oakland at uh, the dumpster fire Coliseum with the baseball field outline on the field and you build this new stadium and you build this thing up and it's now like, yeah, we want playoff football in Las Vegas. We want to bring this huge, it's a, it's a huge market and uh, bring it all together. Right. They're probably dying for a playoff appearance. And I just think when you're four years into a 10 year deal and you've kind of gradually got better, but you haven't really, you've kind of then picked apart. Right. Cause then it's, if they don't make it this year, it's where do you go now? It's kind of what's the next move. Like you've now tore down the offensive line to rebuild the defense. Is it the quarterback? And as we know, it's not, you're not just going to go out, snap the finger and just pull the quarterback off the tree uh, unless you get extremely lucky. I just don't know how much the Raiders are truly committed to like actually winning. They're kind of stuck. And then like roster wise, they're kind of stuck in a purgatory. Like we said, like you improve the defense, the offense gets slightly worse. Derek Carr's good, not great. Uh, where do you really go to improve? You're not getting a top, top draft pick. They're just like stuck in purgatory, really. They're like in a tough spot. And then I just, I think they're just going to ride out Gruden at least. Like if it's a 10 year contract, I would think he coaches like at least six of the years. Yeah. I just think, I just think it'll, it'll start to, it'll start to get warm. They'll, they'll start to desire more. And uh, it'll get interesting. It's it's going to drum up uh, what can they do? What can they do? They're third. I think right now they have the third least cap space. Obviously, people are already signed. The offseason's kind of over, but they're at $2 million in caps, $2 million in change. Um, so they don't really have that level of uh, flexibility to go swing anything without uh, tearing more away. So I would expect them. I mean, I think he'll definitely make it through, even if they don't, he'll make it through year five. And yeah, I could see him getting into year six, but I just think you'll gradually see it start to get warmer as uh, the results will get desired at some point. When you give a guy a hundred million dollars and get handed for the briefcase, you're going to desire something out of him at some point. Yeah, I would agree with that. I was never a big Gruden guy to begin with. Um, Tony, that Tampa Bay team he won, Tony Dungy, like, coached it for all those years leading up to Gruden. So like I was never big on Gruden. Um, I always thought this was like, he could really show what he could like if he built this Raiders team up and like to his credit, they've been better, right? He built them to like a 500 club, but this is a big year. These next couple of years, I want to see if they can like get past that little hurdle because like behind this little hurdle past 500 is like now, now we're talking like the big hurdles, right? Actually getting to contending status. Yeah, that's um, yeah, because I think the goal is yeah, the goal is to win something. Obviously, it's extremely tough in that division and the landscape of the league, but yeah, I was never a big rooting guy. Either. I kind of laughed when they gave him that huge contract and kind of touted him. And I got in arguments with people that touted him as, yeah, he's really, yeah, he's a team builder. Look what he did in Tampa Bay. And I'm just like, I don't think these people, it's like, did they watch football back then? Like, what did he build? Like, I could walk into a castle too and run the empire if the castle's already built and everything's it, already set up. It reminds me of Steve Kerr and Mark Jackson in Golden State for the NBA. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's very funny. 
Um, I mean, that's really all I got on Oakland or sorry, Las Vegas. That's how, that's how much, that's how much the Raiders have uh, kind of been on my mind. That's really all I have on the big topics. I mean, they've, they've got a Derek Carr. He's got to kind of do his thing, navigate with that bad O-line. Gus Bradley's got to kind of try to patch up that defense, get him to the middle of the league. If you can get him to the middle of the league, you're probably a playoff team, but it's like, is that possible? And then Obviously, we'll see the John Gruden situation as his contract goes on and as the years go on. It's crazy that we're already four years into uh, to his tenure as Raiders head coach. But um, jumping into uh, their uh, win-loss for the year, I want to say I believe it's seven and a half. Give me one second. I want to say it's seven and a half. Oh, wow, I'm failing me. It is – yeah, no, it's seven. Okay, so it's seven. So their win total for this year, DraftKings has it set at seven. Uh, I went through their schedule, and it's kind of, like, tough. But when I sat back and I looked at everything they did, um, I wasn't really impressed with what they did with the O-line. Uh, I don't know how much they can get out of the defense. So, I mean, when I went with uh, the Raiders, I went at five and 12. I think they'll be fun at times. But then, I mean, you'll see a lot of games where it's – the uh, 43 to six Falcons lost. They just get blown out and they're your question. And uh, what can they do? So yeah, I just had them five and 12. It's a tough division. The division's kind of stacked up with uh, the, the three teams that they got to play. And then it's just a tough run of the mill. Yeah, I agree. I'm right there with you. I got them at seven and 10. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a couple weeks where the Raiders look like a legit team in the AFC, like, one to mess with and I'm sure there's going to be weeks where they just get blown out so I think as a whole they're going to be right around 500 again right around 500 yeah I mean that's yeah it's fair that's that's Raiders football oh, I gotta say the Raiders come out surprise us right show something do something come on John Gruden but uh yeah let's uh let's get out of Las Vegas and uh let's transition we're going to jump into the Denver Broncos obviously five and 11 year last year another bad year Vic Fangio uh kind of couldn't get together I don't know if it was really his fault I think Bradley Chubb was out for the season last year uh obviously all their weapons went down Cortland Sutton was hurt uh they got inconsistent quarterback play and it was just kind of a tough year right I mean then then this offseason they go out they add Teddy Bridgewater to compete with Drew Locke uh, they draft Patrick Sertan, they get Kyle Fuller, they get Ronald Darby, and then they drafted uh, running back Javante Williams in the second round to bolster running back. They still have Melvin Gordon back there. And then obviously on the defense side, while they lose Gerald Casey, they lose an uh, aging A.J. Boye at corner. They lose Nick Vanette. I didn't even know he was playing tight end there. I remember him from the Seahawks. And then they lose Jawan James, who obviously that workout incident where it was a big deal. Um, personally, I didn't really think it was that big of an issue because it's as simple as in the real world. You get hurt. If you get hurt at your home, your work's not going to cover it, right? You're kind of, you're on your own time. He worked out away from the team, but they lost him as well along the O-line. So, um, yeah, Denver's interesting. Elite defense, uh, spotty offense, but I think with the weapons, they have enough on the offensive side of the ball. So, I mean, what do you see up at, uh, at the Mile High Stadium going into 2021? I actually like this Denver Broncos team. I'm not sure if they're going to win a lot of football games, but like the roster on paper is really nice, right? Like the defense is pretty set again. And then you got Jerry, Judy, Hamler, Sutton, Font. Uh, I believe Melvin Gordon's still running back, but like 
Drew Locke, right? So B- Drew Locke has a huge arm at quarterback. Can can he play quarterback well? Like, is he going to be consistent and uh, efficient for him and productive? And it like it's if he's plays quarterback at a high level, the Denver Broncos are extremely good football team. I don't expect him to play quarterback at a high level. I think they'll be like a 500 team based on like the strength of the roster. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I got another argument, not really an argument, but I just said he's like, he's inconsistent, right? He's, he's super inconsistent regardless of it's weird how some people, they like to hold some quarterbacks uh, accountable when all their weapons are hurt, but then other guys get a pass when their weapons are hurt. So it's interesting. I got into a debate earlier where somebody told me Drew Locke's the truth. And I was just like, we'll see, right? He's a, he's a pretty inconsistent quarterback. He gave you 16 touchdowns, 15 picks with that 2,900 yards. Obviously, yeah, you can account that the weapons were hurt, but I mean, you can't really, I don't like using that for one guy if you're not going to use it for every guy that their weapons are hurt. But um, yeah, it's kind of all on what they can get out of the quarterback position, right? As they said, that defense is stacked. A Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, uh, you draft Patrick Sertan. Um, what else? They still have Kareem Jackson. They re- or they franchise tagged him. I believe they got a long-term deal done with Justin Simmons at a safety. He's good. They bring in Kyle Fuller from the Bears. He was good. So they kind of have everything you want on the uh, defensive side of the ball. And then when you look, yeah, you go to their offense. They have Cortland Sutton coming back from his injury. Judy Hamler font uh, with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. I love their roster on paper, but it's like, can these guys what? What can the quarterback uh, do? And, yeah, that's really the big thing. Uh, my first question is which QB can really grab a hold of that position for uh, 2021? It seems off the rip it's going to be Drew Locke. I think from what I heard, he's that whatever Teddy Bridgewater does in the preseason, it doesn't really matter. Drew Locke's going to be the guy. It seems like the smart investment is the young guy. Teddy Bridgewater has been around the league for uh, plenty of years. We've kind of seen Teddy Bridgewater. We know what he is. But Drew Locke kind of shows us signs. He's got the arm. He's got kind of a swag to him on the bench uh rap and that was kind of interesting but i mean yeah so we'll just assume can, can drew lock can he grab a hold and like show the denver broncos hey i'm the franchise guy because obviously i mean there could be a potential aaron Rodgers on the table this offseason but we'll just stick uh, the focus on this year can drew lock can he grab a hold of the quarterback position for the denver broncos this year i think he's certainly the favorite right he should be the week one starter and he can just throw the ball so deep and like, like, well, right. Uh, Teddy, Teddy check down, Teddy Bridgewater. He's more known for what taking the shorter passes, the intermediate throws. He's a very efficient quarterback, right? He's not great. He's not going to like do incredible things physically, but he's going to, you know, make smart plays and get the ball out of his hands, move the chains. So he's a very efficient quarterback and Denver might be better off with him this year. We're going to find out, but I would assume Drew Locke wins it. They want to go with the big plays, right? In a league where you have the Chiefs and the Chargers, and especially when they're in your division, there's going to be games where you need quick touchdowns, right? They need to be able to hit KJ Hamler 80 yards deep, which I believe he did in a preseason game. They're going to need plays like that to be able to keep up with Kansas City because, like, Teddy's not going to get you those plays. He's going to limit the upside. He probably has a higher floor in the sense he's going to turn the ball over less, and they're probably slightly more efficient, just like – but there's no big plays, right? So, like, Denver needs to find a way to score quickly at times in big plays, and Drew Locke gives you that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of hope if you're Vic Fangio, who I, I want to say he's probably on he's probably on a little bit of a hot seat in Denver. Denver kind of takes football serious, right? They're not kind of they're not the Las Vegas Raiders where you can just go 
seven and nine and eight and eight and never make the playoffs and uh, cash your check and leave. But yeah, I just kind of hope that they hope they kind of just ride Drew Lock, right? Like through the good, through the bad. Just um, just let him do his thing. Like let him go out and play, give him 16 games. I, I really don't like the teams that kind of they force it right. As you said, we've seen Teddy two gloves. Like we've seen, we've seen what Teddy Bridgewater does. We've seen the check downs. We've seen he's just not the same guy. It's tough that he got hurt. Uh, when he was in Minnesota, I really think that kind of altered the path of his career. That kind of did what it did. But um, yeah, I would just kind of like to see them roll with Drew Locke, kind of assure him, yeah, it's your it's your job. Unless he's like horrendously bad, right? Maybe if he's like if he's that terrible, then yeah, maybe you would have to pull him. But I just think with all the guys back, you get a Cortland Sutton back. You have another year of Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. You still have the uh, run game with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. I just think. Um, I think he'll grab a hold of it, but I don't know what the, I don't know what Vic Fangio is going to do, right? If he has one bad game and they're like, yeah, let's swing Teddy Bridgewater out there the the following week. Let's give him a game, see what he can do, see if he can turn the ship around, which gets interesting. Cause I mean, if they don't start winning, he's not there long-term. So it's like, he really doesn't care, right? He's going to do whatever he can do to attempt to steer the ship back in the same direction, regardless if it stunts Drew Locke's uh, growth. So, I mean, I think Drew Locke, He's definitely like a hit or miss QB. I think he'll, uh, so I don't know if he'll grab a stranglehold on it, but I kind of, I hope that he gets the leash as the young guy to just kind of do his thing. He's definitely the guy with more potential, right? If I'm running an offense, I want the guy with the better uh, better potential to uh, boom out there for me, whoever Teddy two gloves. Yeah, the upside is clearly with Drew Locke, right? And that's not even close. Uh, I do agree that Vic Fangio, I feel like the seat's warm for him heading into the season already. So, like, if they only win five games again, I don't think he's going to be the coach next year. Exactly. I have a I have a question for you. Do you think there's a scenario in which the season plays out that the Denver's defense is good enough to, like, carry him to, like, outright wins, kind of like uh, the, Super, the Super Bowl 50 year where they were playing Brock Osweiler and really washed up Peyton Manning, but that defense was just so elite? Exactly. I mean, in a perfect world, yeah, right. Vic Fangio is a defensive head coach. Yeah, if he could get that defense, I mean, I think there will be games where that defense can just lock it down and they'll win games that you're like, damn, like at some of the, I forget what game I picked them to win when I actually went through my record prediction. But uh, yeah, I think the defense, I don't know if they'll like carry them that crazy and like get them to a playoff berth. But yeah, I think there'll be games where the defense really uh, makes up for that offense. And I think for them to be successful, that's kind of going to have to be the bread and butter for that team is going to be led by that defense. Let the defense do the thing and just don't turn the ball over and just don't do stupid things on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And if that's the, this is where it gets like interesting, right? Because if that's their identity as a team and their offense is more of like, just don't turn the ball over, just kind of get first downs, eat some clock, score when you can, then Teddy Bridgewater feels like the better quarterback for that, right? So that's where it, like, gets interesting. Yeah, exactly. That's actually funny looking at that. 2015 season, Peyton Manning had nine touchdowns, 17 picks, and they went seven and two. That's uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's, (laughs) crazy. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, yeah, I'm going to say the defense isn't going to be that good. (laughs) Like, Drew Drew Lock. Drew Locke, don't get comfortable and, like, throw two times the picks that you're going to throw touchdowns and just uh, just somehow the defense is going to do that. But I think, yeah, as long as they don't do anything crazy, as long as he's not throwing two, three interceptions a game and they're not getting crazy fumbles and guys don't get 
uh, just destroyed by injuries. You don't lose like half your guys on the offensive side of the football. I think uh, that defense will be to be able to do its thing and carry them in a sense. That really kind of covered my second question too, because I was going to say, can that defense, uh, can that defense do its thing and kind of carry this team through the season and through games? That's that's uh, that's funny. And um, I guess really the last thing is, will will it be enough through it all? Say the defense does good. Say Drew Lock isn't turning over the football in doing this it, uh, will it be enough to to end their playoff drought right they've been on a drought i want to say since 2015 i could be wrong i want to say it's been since then maybe not i probably might be wrong i'm probably wrong but uh it's been a while can they uh can they end their drought if the defense is playing like that and drew lock is efficient i would think they have a winning season and they could they would be a wild card team i think the tougher part about that if they are a winning team is like just sneaking into the wild card because there's a lot of good AFC teams this year. And like there will be a good team left out of the playoffs. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's for sure. I'd say yeah, if the defense can give them something, I mean, their defense was pretty bad last year, but that's kind of a result of their offense being pretty, uh, pretty terrible as well. But yeah, I mean, I'd say, yeah, if the defense can, obviously not reach that 2015 level, maybe get like halfway to there, get you, get you halfway to that level in between finding in between ground and drew lock is uh kind of takes that next step and shows you, Hey, I'm going to be the franchise quarterback here and I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. I think they could, uh, they could have a winning season and, and their uh, playoff drought, but I just think it's, it's kind of loaded up. I think they're in a, uh, they're in a tough spot playoff wise. They just kind of, they got to kind of steal a game in my sense where when I went through their record, um, I forget if I actually had them making it, but I think they're going to be in a situation where they got to find a game to steal on that schedule. Um, I, I probably mean, got to steal a couple games, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for some. I mean, we could just jump straight uh, straight into it. I don't know, if, unless you have any other uh, Broncos, hypotheticals, questions, topics before we kind of jump into the record prediction. No, it's just a matter of quarterback play and then uh, defense, see how good they really are. Yeah, well, um, yeah, well, let's get straight into the business side of this thing. When I went on uh, looking at DraftKings Sportsbook, because that's the odds that uh, we use on here. They're uh, over under on the wins and losses was set at eight and a half. And it's interesting that over eight and a half is uh, minus 120 now. The uh, under eight and a half is plus 100. So they're favored to win over uh, – basically uh, the betters are saying they're a nine win squad and uh, when i went through that record you know i'm backing the betters i had the uh, had the denver broncos going nine and eight i just think i think i had them stealing a washington game at home i think washington i forget what they played but i kind of changed up uh my original i think i still had the same washington record from the uh episode of the washington uh, football team but i think i just swapped the game because i really i looked at washington's schedule i forget let me pull it real quick because they go to Denver, and then Washington plays the previous week. Yeah, they play at the at the Packers and at the Broncos. So it's just like I think Mile High is always a tough state in the play at that defense. I don't really know what Brian Fitzpatrick's going to be. So I had the Broncos stealing that to get nine and eight. So I'm back in the betters. I'm taking the over. I'm going nine and eight Broncos, and I still don't think it is enough to make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they make the playoffs, but it gets real interesting for me too. As I was talking 
with uh with somebody today it's like when you get down to that week 18 right like say the chiefs are already into the playoffs and the chiefs are resting their guys and the broncos are facing that chiefs chad henny rested team no tyreek hill no kelsey everybody's out that's a game they could steal they could realistically win that too so it's interesting i didn't like to that's always a tough one to go off of i went nine and eight so i'd be taking the over that line of eight and a half is fantastic honestly uh I'm a little surprised the under is a plus, but I mean, I'm right there with them. I'm, I have them at eight and nine. I had them at seven and 10. I kind of flipped it around eight and nine. There's just a, there's some question marks on paper. They're a very good roster. It's just going to be interesting to see how it actually plays out. They get like uh, the Ravens at home and then they go to Pittsburgh and then they get the Raiders and then they go to Cleveland. And it's like that little month. It's like, I could see him honestly going three and one, two and two, or like, one and three. So it's like the Broncos, it's going to be very much up in the air. I got them at eight and nine as like a, just right around 500. There you go. That's uh yeah. I mean, that's good. That's, that's really where they are. Right. I actually agree. I agree that the eight and a half is kind of a great spot for that team. Right. They could be right around there if they find a way to steal a game or two, and then they get that lucky Chiefs scenario where the chiefs aren't playing anybody the last week of the season and they get a, they win a game there it could easily bounce around it's a uh, it's a solid line but um yeah let's head out to uh los angeles for the third team here we got the los angeles chargers one of my i'd say going into this season honestly one of my favorite teams to look at i'm most excited about this team obviously we saw what justin herbert could do they went seven and nine last year uh anthony lynn was the coach they were kind of I guess, out on him as a unit. Definitely the front office was out on him. It kind of felt like he was doomed from the start. But Justin Herbert did his thing. Justin Herbert was a baller. Um, Obviously, Keenan Allen, so they're pretty under. I think he's an underrated guy. He doesn't really get talked talked about that much, but that man runs clean routes. Um, Obviously, they got Joey Bosa. Um, Derwin James is on the roster. Will he play? Uh, I would hope. They kind of hope. It feels like I haven't seen Derwin James play football. And uh, in forever, he's played a lot of Madden. I see him on Twitter playing a lot of Madden. So uh, it's good. But I mean, when you look at the Chargers ads, I love uh, I kind of love their offseason as well. They went out, got Corey Lindsley from the Packers. He was their starting center. So they got a solid starting center. And then they go out right away, get Rashawn Slater in the first round to play tackle. I thought that was a great pick. And then they got Asante Samuel Jr., um, yes. who he, he's uh, I believe he had a pick in the preseason I don't know I could be making that up no I think I had a pick with him on Madden so disregard that but uh, <laughs> I mean we see, we know what he comes through we know his pops is a baller that was a good pick then they get Mike Davis who's potentially going to be their number one corner who, uh, everything I looked at they said that was a great re-signing they, they get Matt Filer from uh, Pittsburgh he's a tackle guard so they go O-line right they're trying to build this thing up in front of a uh, Justin Herbert. Then they had another guard, Ode Abushi, who they, uh, another thing I said that watched or read, they said that was a great ad. Then they I believe they added Jared Cook as well at tight end. He comes in for the loss of Hunter Henry, who obviously went to New England. Uh, Casey Hayward's out. He went to the, uh, obviously the Raiders. They lose Trey Turner and linebacker Malik Jefferson and then Rayshon Jenkins on the back end. Um, I mean, what do you see in the Chargers? I think it's a big year. Brandon Saley, new coach. Um, I'm excited. I honestly, they're one of my, I'm excited to watch this squad. Yeah. If I'm a Chargers fan, I, I'm extremely excited for the future. New squad. Justin Herbert had one of the best rookie seasons ever. He was fantastic. 
Um, I love what they're doing with the offensive line. You steal Corey Lindsley and you give him a five-year contract. So like you allow your center and quarterback to grow over the course of that contract and they're going to get better and better. The filer signing, um, Rashawn Slater with their first pick and then Asante Samuel. Like, I really like this Chargers team. Keenan Allen is as good as they get at wide receiver. He's not talked about enough at all. I like Austin Eckler out the backfield. You got Bosa still. Hopefully Derwin James can get healthy for a extended period of time finally. But I just like – I'm super excited about this Chargers team. I think they're going to be really good. Yeah, I mean, they got Mike Williams on the other side too at receiver. So they got guys, right? You mentioned Eckler, Justin Jackson's good – on the back end. And then, yeah, I mean, this team is kind of ready to go. I mean, it's kind of everything you're looking for. They go in this off season, they fire Anthony Lynn, they add Brandon Staley, who, I mean, from everything I've read is regarded as one of the best hires of the uh, off season. Obviously he was the uh, Rams defensive coordinator. He led that great group. I'm always kind of interested when teams, cause you see, uh, nowadays, these teams, every team you see, uh, they go out and they look for the offensive guy. The Rams went out and got Sean McVay, the offensive-minded head coach. Even my Philadelphia Eagles guy, get Nick Sirianni, is an offensive-minded coach. You don't really see – it's kind of the trend of going out and getting the defensive coach to be the head coach is uh, – it's kind of not really looked at as a top move, but everything I've heard, Brandon Saley is good. And that's really going to be the first question is, can Brandon Saley as new a rookie head coach, can uh, he continue Justin Herbert on that right path? We saw Herbert last year. Um, he was the real deal. Uh, he balled out. I want to say he won rookie of the year. I, I could be wrong, but I believe he did. I believe it was offensive rookie of the year. Offensive rookie of the year, yeah. I think, because I think the other one was Chase Young. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's offensive and defensive. So I want to say one he had to he balled out last year. Like he he was he was legit. Um, can Brandon Staley can he continue uh, building him on this path going into year two? I think he will. I think we'll see an even better offense and improved Herbert. Like assuming this rookie year is not an anomaly, right? Like assuming this is how good he actually is, I think we're going to see much uh, much better season, right? You get a full off season, you get the improved offensive line you have all those weapons and like when you're talking about a rookie even when he was extremely good like just more reps right more continuity full offseason reps getting into that program getting uh the new offense the new scheme under his belt like I just think we're gonna see him just get better and better yeah exactly I agree I think Staley will uh come in and he's gonna be good he's gonna have if they stay healthy on the other side of the football I just think he's gonna continue I think he's it was kind of weird going into that 2020 draft how he was uh, regarded as the quiet guy. He was weird. He didn't want to do this. He couldn't be a leader. He couldn't do that, this and that. And then uh, obviously, I mean, Joe Burrow, what he did that year at LSU kind of got him, but um, to see Tua coming off a hip kind of go ahead of him. And then you see guys who have, uh, I, be- I believe they said, um, that Jalen Hurts threw a better ball. I believe that's what I heard when they said Hurts threw a better ball than two. It's kind of interesting when you see guys that have played with both people. But it's just interesting that the weird guy, the guy that nobody really liked, is kind of the best of the bunch and is on track to be the best quarterback uh, of that draft up until this point. Obviously, Joe Burrow's season got cut short, so we don't know uh, how he'll look going into this year. But, yeah, I just think the additions, everything they built around him, like the Chargers are doing everything that you should do uh, around your franchise quarterback. You, you give him weapons, you build his own line, and then uh, 
you just let him do his thing. And I think Brendan Staley will uh, do that. He's going to get his defense. He's going to get that defense back to where it needs to be. And uh, Justin Herbert and the offensive group will take care of the offense side of the ball. And um, he's going to continue to do his thing. And I think the best part about everything they have set up is how young they are. So, like, yeah, the timeline is, like, I don't want to say long. It is quick, right? The NFL is not for long, right? Everything happens so fast year after year. But the beauty is they do have a little bit of time to, like, grow together. It's not like win now or bust expectations this season. It's just, like, they they are they are going to be a winning team. They do have expectations, but it's not like – Super Bowl or bust, right? That's the beauty of it. They have uh, the five-year contract to Lindsley, new coach, Herbert. They have time to, like, slowly grow into it a little bit as well. Yeah, exactly. You have a new coach, and then your franchise uh, quarterback's only 23 years old. Yeah, you want to continue to make improvements, and I'd say maybe their goal this year, I would say playoffs, right? Make the playoffs, kind of get there. I think if Herbert continues playing how he does – you probably have a good shot at making the playoffs. And then you kind of next year, the year after that, when the groups play together for a year, then you kind of really start pushing on the, uh, pushing on the door and trying to challenge the chiefs and ultimately make runs for, uh, for the, for the Lombardi. Um, I mean, besides that, when you look at it, it's really the big thing that kind of happens to the chargers every year. It seems is they get just smoked by the injury plague, right? It seems <laughs> it's crazy. Like, every single year like so i'm gonna knock on wood i mean as i say this but will the injury plague strike this team again we don't wish for injuries right like i want to see if you could see every all 32 teams at full health for uh an entire season i would take that right so that's how you really see who the best is um but yeah will it i mean it can happen at any time yeah, that's so hard to predict, right? It can happen at any time. And unfortunately, the Chargers seem to have it happen to them every single season. Even when they're really good, it, something happens, right? So I'm going to hope that nothing happens. I'm high on this Chargers team. I want to see them healthy. I want to see what they can do over the course of 17 games now. And it's just, it's just funny when we talk about it because, like, it happens to them every single year. There's always something with the Chargers, right? So I'm going to – I'm going to say maybe this is the year they kind of go against that trend. And that's what I'm hoping for at least. So, yeah. The, the crazy thing, it's not even like nagging injuries. Like it's like major injuries that happen. Like <laughs> Derwin James out for the season. Like it just kind of, it's bang, bang, bang. And then you're, you're kind of shot in the foot. I don't know really what uh, Brendan Saley has done. I know that Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia, not to keep bringing up the Eagles, but he's kind of think this offseason he's only ran one practice over 90 minutes. So he started cutting the practice time because, as we've seen with the Eagles too, they get hurt. The, their team just gets decimated every single year. So it's kind of – I don't know what Staley's done out in L.A. to kind of uh, – if he's followed that same mold, cut the practice time, kind of let these guys um, – have days off and not really go super hard in the offseason to preserve them going into now a longer season. Um, but yeah, I just hope, like, I really hope that they don't get any serious injuries. Let's see them uh, at least make it to the season. Cause once you start playing full speed NFL games, anything can happen, but I just don't want to see half their team get destroyed in the off season or uh, it through training camp. Like let's see guys survive through preseason and training camp and uh, let these guys make a run at the thing. Oh, exactly. Because it's always so disappointing every year when we lose like the big names for the full full season. It, it's always unfortunate. 
Yeah, it's annoying. Um, and then really what I'm going to say is the sky the limit for these guys. So like, in my opinion, when I look at one team in the league, it's kind of really this team. Uh, if everything goes their way and nobody gets hurt and everybody stays healthy, the sky is kind of the limit for these guys. Would you agree? I agree entirely. And they have the luxury, in this case, the luxury of playing the Chiefs twice because that's the measuring stick, right? The Chiefs and the Bucks. So you get two games against the Chiefs. You can really measure how like good you are as a football team, and that should make them better. And also by the off chance you see the Chiefs in the playoffs, you know, third time matchup, you're very familiar with the team. So it's like, yeah, sky's the limit for them, definitely. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, they can really have Justin Herbert keeps – keeps developing and then those defensive guys obviously we've seen what Joey Bosa can do and if they put it together as a team it really is um they could do anything going into I don't know if they really could could win a Super Bowl I mean crazier things have happened but they're definitely going to the future and throughout this season the sky's the limit um so that really all on the docket I mean unless you have any crazy hypotheticals or anything with the Chargers that's kind of all I had written down as far as covering the Chargers going through this preview no not really I want the defense to stay healthy uh I'll be targeting them a lot in DFS on Sundays I'm just excited for this Chargers team exactly so I mean we'll jump straight into it uh, as we always do in these uh the record prediction DraftKings has the Chargers uh, win-loss total set at nine and a half. It's a good number. Uh, as of right now, under nine and a half is favored at minus 130 and over nine and a half is plus 115. Um, when I went through their schedule, I came out with, um, I'm going to go against, I'm going to take, I'm going to go with the, uh, I'm going to go with the over. Uh, I had the Chargers going, 10 and seven. I think this will be the year where everybody does not get decimated and injured and beat up. And um, yeah, they'll find a way to get there. And I think they'll get 10, uh, 10 wins. Yeah. I actually really like that number, like that nine and a half, the plus, like the fact that the over is a plus, I, I, I like that a lot. Cause I have them going 11 and six, just one more win. Um, I think the Chargers figure out a way to hit 10 wins this season. So, like, I, I would really like the value on that over bet. That's what I'm saying. Same here. When I went through it, I was, like, flip-flopping, looking at games, like, hey, can this go this way? How will this go? As you always do when you're trying to look at a team's record in the preseason. And, yeah, I mean, I think I went 10, and I wouldn't even disagree. I mean, they could definitely take a uh, – they could take a Steelers game, right? They get the Steelers at home. They could easily win that. And um, – Hey, they could win another division game, too. I think I had them splitting with Denver. Even crazier things could happen. I had them splitting with the Chiefs as well. So it's like – Same. Yeah, so it's like they, I, I wouldn't disagree with all that. But, yeah, I'm spot on. I would go with uh, that over. Uh, I think they're comfortably at least a 10-win squad as long as the whole team doesn't get decimated. Um. Well, this leads us into the the, the grand finale. Um. The AFC West finale, yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs, kind of the team that uh, is just a staple of Super Bowl football we've seen the past two seasons with uh, Patrick Mahomes kind of doing his thing. Uh, obviously, they're one-on-one. They beat the 49ers in the first one, lost last year to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Uh, they went 14 and two, hell of a season. And it's crazy to think that on the offense side of the ball, they got better in some areas. When they add Joe Thune, they add uh, Orlando Brown from the Ravens, a team that they've kind of already owned to begin with, which is funny. And the Ravens were just like, yeah, here, take another piece. Like, you need an O lineman? Okay, here you go. Uh, they had Jarek McKinnon out of the backfield. He's a good, if he can, uh, he kind of got destroyed by injuries when he signed with San Fran, but if they can get anything out of him as a pass catcher out of the backfield, uh, it'll be good. They added Kyle Long, too. He came out of retirement to play guard. Uh, Jerron Reed at defensive tackle. They went with Nick Bolton uh, in the second round, and then they went with Creed Humphrey as well in the second round, who's a center out of Oklahoma, and then really a draft pick that I liked, which was kind of weird. Uh, they drafted guard Trey Smith in the sixth round from Tennessee. I think he has potential to eventually be a steal. Um, he fell massively in the draft. And then when you look on their uh, losses side, they lose Eric Fisher at the left tackle. He went to the Colts. Uh, Anthony Sherman retired fullback. He's kind of been there forever. Uh, they lose Sammy Watkins to the Ravens. Prashad Breeland's out of there. They lose Mitchell Schwartz as well. Uh, that's another tackle. And then they lose running back Damian Williams, who went to Chicago. Um, I mean, what do you see with the Chiefs? We kind of know what the expectation is for the Chiefs. We kind of know what we expect out of uh, the Kansas City Chiefs at this point. So what do you uh, what do you see going into this? To me, the Chiefs are going to be a playoff team for sure. Um, will they win the AFC and the Super Bowl again? That's really the big question, right? To me, it all depends depends on the rebuilt offensive line. If the rebuilt offensive line is fantastic, then we're probably looking at a Super Bowl berth. Maybe they are the Super Bowl champions. If the offensive line struggles, we're probably looking at a playoff team still because they're just that that good, right? So I think it all depends on how they rebuilt the offensive line. We saw Patrick Mahomes running for his life in the Super Bowl. That offensive line was really beat up. And unfortunately, Andy did not make the adjustments to get the ball out of his hands fast. They were still trying to develop big plays, which I thought was silly. But I think it just depends on the offensive line. If it if that line plays well, then you let Patrick Mahomes do his thing, then they're good. They they are clearly the best team in the AFC again. Yeah, I mean they have so much. Uh, yeah, they have so much talent. So when they have Patrick Mahomes, they have Travis Kelsey, they have Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman, uh, Demarcus Robinson, Jarek McKinnon, Daryl Williams. Right? They have. Uh, and they still have a, who's it? Clyde Edwards Hilaire. That's who I knew I was forgetting somebody. So they kind of have everything, right? They rebuilt the one thing that really plagued them in the Super Bowl. They rebuilt the offensive line on paper. You had Joe Thune, huge upgrade. Orlando Brown, solid uh, tackle to replace either Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz. I'm going to assume he replaces uh, Eric Tackle and plays left tackle because I think that's why he wanted out of uh, Baltimore. But I mean, yeah, that's what it comes down to. Uh, it, how much better is the O line going to be? And when we sit here on paper, we can say, yeah, it's going to be better. But um, when they go out and play games for 60 minutes and everything counts, is uh, are they just going to get decimated by injuries, right? Kyle Long not playing football for a year, coming out of retirement, is his body just going to explode week one or week two? It's like we don't we don't know what's going to uh, what's going to happen. I mean, I would agree with you though, right? Like the bottom, even if they're at their floor, they're still a playoff team, right? If the airline's a disaster, I think Andy Reid is an offensive play caller and Patrick Mahomes being uh, the best quarterback in the game right now. Uh, I would say they're still a playoff team as well. But um, I'm going to jump straight into the first question. Are the Chiefs really that far ahead of the competition in the AFC, right? It's seen on paper all the time that, like, the Chiefs are leaps and bounds ahead of, A, the Browns, the Bills. Um, are, are they really that far ahead, though? That's what I'm going to say. You think they're that far ahead? 
I honestly do. But like I say that with some hesitance because like this is pro athletes. This is still the National Football League. We watch the Bills be really good. There's the Titans. There's the Browns. There's some I'm sure I'm missing some teams off the top of my head. But like I just think that gap is real. Right. We saw it last year with the Bills having a phenomenal season. Um, they go get they go up against Baltimore in the divisional round. They win by like two possessions. And they just looked fantastic. The Bills looked like a real problem. And then they play the Chiefs, and they, they just look like a considerably – I wouldn't say a bad I – w- I wouldn't say they looked bad. I just say they looked like a step below where the Chiefs were when they played against each other. So, like, it's a new year, new season. All kinds of things can happen. But, like, until I see it, it's kind of hard for me to think that, like, these other AFC teams are like with the chiefs. It kind of reminds me when the Pats were going to like four Super Bowls in a row every year, you'd be like, Oh, can maybe the Steelers or maybe it was Manning's Broncos or like whatever the team is, right. Can they actually beat the Pats? And you say, well, on paper, it looks like that. And then an AFC championship game comes around and they're always just one step ahead. And that's kind of how it feels with the chiefs right now. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, there's a gap, but I don't think it's like, I think it's that large, right? Like, I mean, Josh Allen and the Bills going on the road in the Kansas City, it's like, it's kind of like it was his first taste of that, right? Like, it was really that Bills team's kind of first taste of it. And you're going into Kansas City with the Chiefs, you're going to a team that's the defending Super Bowl champions, right? Like, Patrick Mahomes has been there. Patrick Mahomes has experienced um, all the pressure under the brightest lights of the National Football League. Um, so I just think that, and then obviously they were – I don't even really the, – the Browns game is kind of like – it's kind of weird, right, because Patrick Mahomes goes out with the concussion and then Chad Henney. I mean, the Browns were oh so close, but it's like if uh, if Mahomes doesn't get hurt and he plays the whole game, uh, we know what uh, what the Chiefs can do. I just think the Chiefs – I do give them a gap, but I don't think it's really like that large. Like I don't think – I think it's I don't think it's a considerable one. I'd say it's one just because they're that explosive, right? We've seen even in that AFC title game, they're down nine nothing and then they can reel off twenty-one points. Uh, like a snap of the finger. We saw him do it against, I believe it was the Texans one year as well. I think it was the year before. Two years ago, yeah, the Texans. It was twenty one to zero. Yeah, and they just snapped the finger and they never look back and all of a sudden they're uh, they're winning. So I mean I think there's a gap. I just don't think they're like leaps and bounds ahead where it's like, yeah, write the script. Like if it's already over, right? Like this season, I think some people will look at it in a sense that, yeah, the Chiefs, they will be in the Super Bowls. Like it's a, it's a lock done deal. And I don't, I don't look at it as that. I think the Bills point you made is very, very good. Uh, it was the first like taste of that young team, young quarterback. It's in Kansas City. The Chiefs have already been there. They, hell, they had to go against Tom Brady multiple times. That's a big that's a big confidence boost. So, like, I think that's a really good point with the Bills. The Bills will come in more composed probably. If it's, like, a similar scenario this season, I would assume they come more composed because they did kind of lose their composure at the very end there uh, when they when the game kind of slipped away from them. And also, two years ago, Tennessee made it to the AFC title game. They lost to the Chiefs. So, like, those are two teams that could certainly be in the AFC championship game, and they've been there before. So, like, I do think the experience – that's like a good point and it will be a little bit different this season. 
Yeah, it's just interesting as well. Do you think teams really take that game tape from the Super Bowl? I don't really like to look at it as the offensive line play, but it's like when you look at what the Buccaneers did and said, hey, we're not going to get beat over the top by Tyreek Hill. We're going to try to, can these guys adjust and can they beat us underneath and can they do this? Will these teams kind of snag up some of that game tape that I don't want to say exposed the uh, Chiefs because their line was all beat up, but it's like if the Chiefs aren't beating you deep for home run plays and really letting Tyreek run like it's a uh, track meet, um, they're a normal football club, right? Like, Yeah, so like using that film is a good example, right? You don't let them beat you over the top. Um, since Patrick Mahomes has been quarterback, he tends to air it out, beat you over the top, and just score more points most of the time, right? Even if your team is playing well and putting up points, he just seems to find a way to score more and at a faster clip. He couldn't do that against the Bucks. And then the only other time I, off the top of my head that I really remember was like two seasons ago. It was a random Sunday night game, like a month and a half into the season. They played the Colts, and they lost – like 20 to 14 or something like that. And it was like an extremely low scoring game. And that's the other time the chiefs looked human and they couldn't really move the ball. Like the Colts uh, didn't let them beat them over the top and made them just like, just take what they could get. And I think that is, it's like extremely hard to execute, but that is kind of the recipe if you're going to beat the chiefs. Yeah. You're going to attack Patrick Mahomes. You're going to cover the top and um, you're just kind of willing. Yeah. Can Andy Reid make an adjustment? And then if you can keep the ball, if you can play smart possession football and run the ball on offense, you can kind of keep Patrick Mahomes off the field and then don't let him hit home run plays. It's always interesting, but I mean, I would definitely say they're the clear theory, the favorite. I just don't think it's as wide as some people would think. Um Going into the really second question, when I look at the Chiefs, they lose Sammy Watkins in the offseason. Um, who's really going to be the wide receiver two on the roster? Obviously, you could say Travis Kelsey, right? But he's obviously the tight end, right? He's gonna You're going to want another guy kind of out there. Nicole Hardman's there, but, I mean, he's only had a career high. I think his best year was 41 catches, so he's kind of never really been in that role. Uh, Demarcus Robinson's out there, but those guys have never really been clear-cut number two wide receivers in this league. So when you look at that offense, um, uh, will either of those guys kind of slide in and do the job? I'm glad you asked this question because I actually wanted to bring this up. Um, I don't think they're going to miss Sammy Watkins. They will miss Sammy Watkins. I'm not, I don't want to discredit Sammy Watkins, but I think McCole Hardman's going to have a good year. Right. So like if you're a fantasy guy, the last, the last two years, McCole Hardman was always like, if you're doing best ball, like the last round pick for like a flyer, because he's part of the Kansas City offense and he gets some snaps, but he was always behind receivers. The reports from training camp this year, and if you look at preseason usage, like uh, preseason doesn't dictate a lot, but like he's uh, he's in much more sets. He's running much more. Uh, he's running way more routes and like more types of routes. So he's just on the field and there he's getting more versatile in his usage. So I just think we're going to see much more McColl Hardman usage, especially with the Sammy Watkins not being there. I think it's going to be McColl. Yeah, I, I think he'll be out there. And he's definitely he has to, right? Like Sammy Watkins exits, yeah, you're gonna you're you're gonna use your your next uh Weapon. It's going to be interesting to see just how much volume uh, he gets out there. Obviously, they're going to feed Tyreek and then Jason. Or I was about to say Jason Kelsey. Jeez, uh, Travis Kelsey is going to command his targets. Right, he's a proven thing. It's just kind of. Uh, it's, I mean, somebody else is going to have to step up, right, to kind of take 
take the pressure off of those two guys. The defense comes out and schemes up, figures out how to shut down the Travis Kelsey and try to shut down uh, Tyreek. Um, yeah, McCall Hartman's kind of going to have to be that guy. We haven't really seen it, but obviously we were going to expect a, expect a volume uptick. It would be, it'd be expected that he's going to get his fair shot to be the number uh, the number two across from Tyreek Hill. It's just interesting. He's kind of like that same uh, that same build. He's a little bit bigger than, than uh, Tyreek. What should also help the offense out is like we – I would expect a little bit more from Clyde Edwards-Alaire this year, especially in the past game, just kind of get him more involved all around. I would think he has a slightly bigger uh, output for the offense as well. And if that is the case, then it does take a little bit of the stress away from the wide receivers two and three. Yeah, that too. And then they also had a Jared McKinnon. So it's like he can kind of, if he stays healthy, he can kind of jump in there and give them a little bit of a pass catcher as well out of the backfield. He's just kind of, it's always interesting because I mean, Andy Reid's Andy Reid, right? He's a pass heavy guy. So it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to dial in what he's going to do with his running backs. Um, And then really the last thing that I have on the docket, did you have something? My bad. I kind of swung through it. No, no, I just got one random hypothetical at the end. Yeah, okay, at the end. Um, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, my last question really is for the Chiefs is, can they find a, a consistent pass rush? Obviously, they've had the offense. Um, I think into, I think up to this point, I don't know if Frank Clark has shown up yet. Um, maybe you can confirm that. I know he's been holding out. He's looking for, I think it was a contract, new contract, something, restructure. So, I mean – uh, can they kind of dial up their own their own uh, pass rushing defense? Obviously, when you're paying the quarterback and you're paying the tight end and you're paying the, the wide receiver, and uh, I think they're either on the brink of re-signing the Honey Badger or they got him under contract. They just kind of have a lot of money doled in, so they're kind of just trying to throw pieces onto this defense. And Frank Clark is the big ticket item on the defense, and if he's not showing up, I mean, I'll assume he'll show up for week one and play football, but it's like, can they drum up uh, – some type of pass rush to kind of help out the offense? Well, they certainly need to, right? Um, Frank Clark had that arrest in June, so I guess he's still facing potential fallout from that. I don't think that's going to be much for him. Uh, I know he hurt his hamstring in camp too. It's really like if they're going to show up and if they can get consistent pressure. Like the Kansas City defense is like one of those units that's like, really just there to bolster like you don't need them to make critical stops most of the time in the playoffs obviously you do but like for majority of the season you really just need them to kind of like bend but not break because the offense is gonna like if you can get the other team kicking field goals the offense is gonna score touchdowns majority of the time so like I don't know if they're gonna be get enough pass rush consistently uh, if they're going to be, if they play Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl again, or like the AFC Championship, they're going to need the pass rush. Like those are the games where it's really going to show uh, if they have it or not. Uh, for majority of the season, it's kind of just an idea of like bend, don't break. Yeah, exactly. I mean, regular season, you got that offense, you can do enough. But I mean, they're going to need to dial up something. I forgot about Chris Jones on that front. He's uh, he's pretty damn good. He had seven and a half last year, but obviously Frank Clark doesn't show up. Or uh, I assume he'll eventually he had six sacks last year, but it's like if he's holding out a training camp, hasn't really done anything uh, football-wise on the field preseason training camp. 
um, what shape is he going to look like going into this year? It's just kind of when it comes down to the nitty gritty and it comes down to conference championships and obviously Super Bowls, you kind of need, um, it seems like you always need that one crucial play out of your defense to kind of do something to, to get you there, turn the tide a little bit. So, I mean, I, I would assume Andy Reid's kind of hoping that hey, we can get a little bit more out, squeeze something out. Maybe Alex Okafor gets to the quarterback a couple more times. Um, yeah, they just kind of, I don't think it's a huge priority, but I think they would like to uh, do it to kind of not be so offensive or reliant. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, if you go back to the Niners Super Bowl, they go into the fourth quarter down 10, they score two touchdowns, and then the defense puts just enough pressure on Jimmy G to miss the uh, deep pass to Sanders. He didn't step up in the pocket because he felt the pressure. So it's like, it's just like those things when you're splitting hairs to win a championship, like, can you get just enough? Exactly. That's really, um, that's, yeah, that's what it comes down to in the NFL. It's really kind of, a, a hit or miss type league. Um, I guess, yeah, they were at that point. Fire out a said you got a hypothetical to uh, kind of wrap the Chiefs up. Let's go. For yeah, it. I, I got a silly hypothetical that's like a little, it's mainly unrealistic because it's probably not going to happen, right? But there's every now and then we come across teams that are just dynastic and just incredibly stacked. And they're talking about, they were talking about the Ravens last year, which was a little foolish. They're talking about the Bucks headed going into this year, maybe going undefeated. What do you think the odds are for the Chiefs to actually win every single football game? Like ten percent? Um, probably even less. I'd probably say like we're talking about a complete sweep, like and win the Super Bowl. Yeah, like a complete sweep. I'd put it at like two percent. Like I just don't. They're they're dynamic. They're like this and that, but. Um, yeah, I just don't see it. People are nuts, like scheming up undefeated season. Yeah, if the wind blows this way, they'll be able to beat the Bills. If the wind <laughs> blows that way, or Ryan Tannehill gets hurt and Julio Jones gets COVID, like they'll they'll beat the Titans, and then Aaron Rodgers is going to go host an episode of Jeopardy, so they'll beat the Packers. I just think like they have tough games. Like they really have tough. I mean, looking at their schedule, right? Like even to open the season. Uh, Browns at the rate or yeah, home against the Browns at the Ravens, and then they play the Chargers. It's like a tough three game stretch. They get a bye week against the Eagles, and yeah. then you look at it again. Like they play the Bills, and then at Washington at Tennessee, then they get a bye week against the Giants, and they play the Packers. Then they go on the road for a division Raiders game. They should win. It's just like the NFL is just like too weird, and they kind of have like tough stretches of football games in that first half, and then they. Yeah, I don't think it's high. Uh, there, people are crazy. Though. That's a funny one. But, yes, yeah. I, I agree entirely, dude. I don't think it's high at all. Uh, you're talking about the National Football League, other pro athletes. Like, they have a gauntlet of a schedule. They're incredibly talented, right? An incredible football team. Uh, they have been the last few years, so they certainly have a small chance to do it. I just thought it was funny. I just wanted to ask because, like, every year you hear – people talking about certain teams last year it could have been the Chiefs this year they're mainly talking about the Bucks, not the Chiefs so I was just curious where you're at on that it's most likely not going to happen yeah it's hard to dial up I mean when you look at the Patriots team when they did it it was kind of like a weird one because Tom Brady was taking pay cuts and then they kind of had would they have yeah they had Randy Moss on that offense he was taking pay cuts and then they had still had like a stacked defense right like you don't really you don't really have that level of stacked with uh like I like Tyreek Hill, but he's no Randy Moss. Like 
So sorry to sorry to say that, but um, yeah, the Patriots is kind of a weird team, and it's kind of like that's what happens when Tom Brady takes pay cuts. Not like huge pay cuts, but he wasn't getting. He didn't have a four hundred million dollar contract, and then he didn't. He wasn't begging Frank Clark to show up, right? Like he didn't have to rely on Frank Clark coming off an arrest to uh, come play defense. He had guys that were uh, that were back there. Not to mention the 07 Pats team definitely squeezed out a couple games that were pretty close too. Exactly. Yeah, there's coin flip games where hey, if one thing happens, you lose. Yeah. So it's that's it's hilarious when people dial that up. But I mean, it's pretty much jumped into it already with uh covering their schedule and uh games. We'll jump right into it. Uh, DraftKings has the Chiefs, their over-under on the wins this year is set at 12 and a half. Uh, the under is minus 130. And the over 12 and a half wins is at plus 110. Um, when I went through their schedule, and I just actually went through it again as we were speaking on the topic, um, I had them finishing 14 and three. So I'd go with the, uh, with the over. That's obviously saying that's pretty much saying their O lines, that their the O line's going to be good and Michael Hardman will kind of show out and they'll kind of have everything together and yeah i just think they're kind of going to play pissed off football i definitely think they're going to come right out of the gates like i was saying this earlier like they're like a minus i think it's 305 favorites open the week they're like a six and a half point favorite this is week one against the browns like i think they're going to come out with a vengeance that week because everybody's going to say hey the browns can sit there and say we almost beat you we almost did this so i think they're going to want to smoke the heads off i just think they're hungry i think it's crazy like I think they tasted that Super Bowl defeat. They want to get back. And I think if you could ask them their ideal matchup, they would want to rematch Tom Brady and the Bucks again and kind of get another shot to stick it at them. But we uh, won't go that far. I mean, I'm 14 and three though. So I would go confidently, pretty confident with you over. I'd say 13 minimum. That's funny you said 13 minimum at the end because I was thinking that 12 and a half line is very good. So just for the record, I have them at 14 and three as well. Um, but just like talking about that bet, you said 13 minimum. I thought 12 was the baseline, 13. Like, I don't know, injuries happen, right? Things, weird things happen maybe. And like you said earlier, maybe Mahomes sits week 18 because they're like already sealed. So like that 12 and a half line makes me a little bit nervous. I got him going 14 and three. Uh, I feel like 12 wins is safe. Once you get above 12, it gets a little little dicey. But yeah. 14 and three. Yeah, I just think they're, they're kind of – they're just like a they're a regular season buzzsaw. They're a juggernaut. They can just find a way, play bad for a half of football, and then ring off 28 points in the third quarter coming out of the half. And you're just like, damn, like these guys are this good. And uh it's scary when a team's like that. Obviously, it's wait and see. We got to see what they're looking like. But I, mean, I assume that uh Patrick Mahomes is gonna do Patrick Mahomes things come week one. Um, I mean, that's really all we got on the docket. As far as the AFC West, I mean, any closing thoughts on the AFC West before we kind of wrap this thing up? You think we're going to see a season in which Mahomes leads the league in passing yards and we see Hiller Kelsey be the receiving uh, yards leader again? The fact that it was Kelsey at tight end was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, he threw 4,700 last year. I don't know. Yeah. You're talking about like a league leader in yards? Yeah, like so full season, yeah. I think Mahomes throws for 5,000 yards with an extra game, assuming he plays. Yeah, I mean, he went 40, he played 15 last year. 
4,048. Yeah, I mean, you kind of get – I mean, who else is going to do it? It's like him – like, who are the heavy throwers? It's him, Josh Allen. Like, those are the guys – I think Dak Prescott actually, because they'll be playing from behind. He's gonna have to throw all the time. Yeah, Dak Prescott. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think he. Yeah, I mean, I think Mahomes. I agree with you. Like, I think Mahomes, if he plays, and he might sit out the extra game. To be honest, so it's hard. But I mean, I think he could easily get uh to five thousand. Wait, so Travis Kelsey really led the, led the league though. I believe he did. I think it was the first time ever a tight end did it. He had 1,400 yards last year. Yeah, it was absolutely historic season. Stefan Diggs. Okay, there we go. 1,535. Yeah, it's just kind of crazy. to. So, I mean, I would say Mahomes leads the league in passing. I don't think either of those guys will – yeah, I don't think they'll jump that high because, like, Travis Kelsey, it's another year, another year, another year of wear and tear on the tires. Um. I would assume with Sammy Watkins out, they'll try to get Tyreek Hill. They might try to run the ball a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I'd say Mahomes leads the league in passing. He could easily get the 5,000, but I don't think you'll see another almost 1,500 yards receiving out of Travis Kelsey. It's just kind of crazy to, to say that he would get there again. That is nuts, though, that he was second in the league. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's a really reasonable take from you. Yeah, I think Mahomes does it. I'm not sure about the pass catchers. They certainly can. I I just don't know. Yeah, they kind of fork enough each other. But, I mean, that's really going to wrap it up for today. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, Please like, subscribe, and comment if you have any suggestions. We always like to hear uh, the suggestions in the comments, or you can add us on Twitter at take 3 Sports, um, as always, our Spotify link will be in the description for audio-only listeners. And uh, thank everyone for listening, and we will see you on the next one.